The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A review of Norwegian Star today. Sherry has the week off. Filling in is cruiseradio.net staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Norwegian Cruise Line gave a little more insight to what the return to cruising could look like. Yeah, they basically expanded on a lot of the things that we sort of already knew. All of these things have basically been talked about, but they're starting to fill in some of the blanks. There's still a long way to go, but here's their basics. Uh, The first thing they talked about was enhanced screening, which we sort of knew that's going to be, you know, temperature checks and things like that at the port before you get on board the ship. One of the things they added some good detail on was that they're going to be putting in all new air filtration systems. Um, And the description of it is thus. It's a medical grade air filter that removes 99.95% of airborne pathogens. And one of the things they really went out of their way to say was that, yes, you know, the coronavirus is one of the things this, this particular air filtration system is designed to filter out. So that's a good one. Uh, they talked about increased sanitation measures, which, again, that's something that all the lines are, are talking about. This one is... There's no details on it, and it's the one that I think is going to be the real almost sticking point moving forward, and that is responsible social distancing. No details on what that's going to look like yet and how you're going to control it, but that's another one that they mentioned. Uh, The other one that they offered more details on was enhanced medical resources. So they're going to have an expanded onboard medical center fully equipped with the latest testing kits and medical supplies. They're um, having more doctors on board and they're going to have a dedicated public health officer on every ship. Now, truthfully, between you and me, I don't know the difference between, you know, a public health officer and the ship doctor. And I don't know if they could be the same thing and if it's just a special kind of training they have to go through or what, but they will have one on every ship. And lastly, and again, this is something that's been talked about a lot, ship to shore safety. And that basically means coordinating with all of the ports that they visit to make sure that um, everything is being done so that when guests get off the ship, A, they're not bringing any kind of contamination into the countries or you know places that they're visiting, but also that things like the tour operators are following safety protocols, you know, that they're using reduced capacity and that uh, anything, any cleanliness and sanitation protocols that are in place, that basically any tour guide you use that is affiliated with NCL is going to be following the same sort of protocols. Now, of course, they can't guarantee if you go and book your own uh, shore excursion, you know, and go sort of off brand, they can't guarantee that the same protocols are going to be followed. So that's probably going to be a big selling point 
with the, you know, a lot of people try and look for bargains by getting something uh, shore excursion wise that is not necessarily affiliated with the ship. But it might be right now that you want to, you know, pay the little bit more that you usually pay for a ship affiliated cruise excursion to know that they're going to be following the same protocols. And for clarification, a public health officer is someone who's not there to treat the guests if they're ill, but to educate them and help prevent illness on board and outbreaks. Uh, you know what that sounds like to me? They'll probably set up times when you can go in and you can hear talks about what they're doing to, you know, keep you safe while you're on board. Yeah, it's needed. Uh, so Canada extends their cruise ship ban, but a couple of cruise lines had to cancel because of this. Yeah, this one, it hurts a little bit, mainly because I really have come to enjoy taking trips out of New York up into Canada. But it isn't necessarily surprising. You know, Canada had already shut down their ports and they made it clear at the time that they were going to do this for as long as necessary, despite the financial hit that they would be taking. Uh, the hardest hit cruise lines are going to be the ones who go not only uh, use Canada, not only to go from like say New York to Canada and back, but also the ones that use Canada to fulfill their, their foreign port visit requirement when they're going to Alaska. You know, a lot of ships sail out of Seattle and they go all the way up into Alaska, do their Alaska stops. And then they, they make a quick, you know, like two or three hours stop in Canada just to fulfill that requirement. So because of that, pretty much any cruise that's Canada bound and a lot of the ones that are Alaska bound are going to be, they're just dead in the water, so to speak. Yeah. So we're talking about Holland America, Princess, Royal Caribbean, Carnival Cruise Line, and a couple of others. Uh, I know uh, Windstar canceled as well. Curious if the small ships are going to be sailing Alaska, like the, you know, the uncruise adventures and American cruise lines type vessels, or if they're still sitting it out. Yeah, the other big question will be whether any of the cruise lines try and get waivers of the law that requires them to go to a foreign port, which would mm -hmm. allow, you know, so then, for example, um, I've done a couple of sailings out of New York that go to like, you know, Boston and Portland and then go up into Canada. And would it be possible for them to get a waiver so they don't have to go to Canada and they could still do those sort of leaf peeper cruises this fall without having to make that stop up into Canada? But that's yeah. all going to depend on whether they can get waivers. Yeah, I mean, I think you're walking into dangerous territory if you repeal the Jones Act completely. But, you know, a waiver for cruise ships, that could definitely be a start. Uh, so Carnival Cruise Line will have new cameras once cruising resumes. Yeah, this is kind of cool. One of the things we're hearing a lot about is technology and how new and developing technologies and some technologies that have been around for a while can be used to sort of help us stay safe and help the cruise lines monitor health uh, in this particular crisis. So there's a company called Infrared Cameras. It's based in Texas. They've teamed with Carnival. And what their cameras basically do is, let's say you're uh, at the port and you're embarking. They can aim these cameras at a group of people who are boarding and they can do thermal checks. And they're really, really sensitive. Um, I saw a great demonstration where a guy was carrying a cup of coffee that was, you know, 110 degrees or something. And the, the camera could pick up the difference between the coffee and the guy. They could tell that the guy was perfectly fine, had no temperature, but it zoomed in on the temperature of the cup of coffee in his hand. And they could use this not only at 
at embarkation, but they could also use it, you know, just randomly on the ship, a place that has high traffic, you know, stick one of those cameras there and have somebody monitoring it. And then if you happen to see somebody walk by that, you know, maybe has, uh, has spiked a temperature because, you know, one of the things people are nervous about is just because you don't have a temperature when you board the ship doesn't mean three days later you won't have a temperature. So if they were able to use this technology and screen people as they're wandering around the ship, they might be able to say, you know, hey, you know, can you just come with us for a minute? We're just going to do a we're going we're to take you into a quick check because you seem to have a little bit of a temperature. So there's a lot of really cool. Um, I think we're going to see more and more of this of uses of technology as they try and figure out ways to keep us safe. I was watching a segment on NBC about taking temperatures and thermal temperatures and all of that. And they said the warmest spot on your face isn't your forehead. It's the corner of your eye. So it could vary between like a half degree in that spot by itself. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, I read that somewhere. I don't really remember why they said it, whether it was like, you know, the thinnest or something. Yeah, but, but it's, yeah. So so really, maybe they should be pointing that at our eyeballs. Yes, as long as it doesn't blind us, because I already wear glasses. Uh, let's see. River cruising is back. You know, there's a lot of good news for cruisers coming down the pike. Uh, the only bad side is that it's not really coming from here. It's coming from various places overseas, which makes sense because those places were hit earlier than we were with the pandemic. And so they're recovering, you know, they're further along the path of recovery than we are. So first, there's a company called Nico Cruises, and that's a German domestic line. And they're going to be using, uh, uh, I believe they only have one ship in their line at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. And they set sail yesterday. The ship is called the Nico Vision, which I kind of love. And they had 110 passengers on board. That is, you know, um, far, far lower than the ship can actually carry. One thing to note, and based on, you know, recent things we've been seeing uh, people talking about online, this is this could cause some concern among people. Um, they have put in place certain protocols aboard the ship, including no use of elevators. Uh, mandatory mask wearing, you know, social distancing, of course, daily temperature checks. None of the public toilets are open. Uh, there is a doctor on board. And this one was weird. Okay, the, no newspapers, which I guess makes sense because, you know, people can pass it along. No buffet, which is normal, but no umbrellas. I don't really know why, but they don't allow any umbrellas on board. So, you know, that that is one thing, you know, we've seen a lot of people talking about how if masks are required, they won't get on a ship. So this ship is requiring masks. The second example of this, there's a company called Astro Ocean Cruises. That's out of China. And it looks as if they're ramping up to begin sailing because they've placed ads and they've begun looking for, uh, they're, they're recruiting, they're recruiting, and they're not just hiring, you know, like um, people to work in the engine room or even just in the galley. They're actually hiring entertainers and things like that. So it really seems as if they're getting ready to ramp up. They have a ship called the Piano Land, which again, cool name, and they've been doing some work on it during this downtime, although most of their work has expanded, has been to sort of expand the staterooms. They were basically built for two people, and now they're adding um, third births and encouraging family travel. They also massively expanded their shopping area, which now apparently has a hundred shops over two levels. So 
kind of shopper's paradise. They haven't said when they're going to start sailing, but it looks as if that's going to be pretty soon. And the last example, which is really intriguing to me, especially when you think about we were talking about just a minute or two ago about, um, you know, getting waivers in order to travel to places that you might not ordinarily be able to travel to. There's a company called Sea Dream Yacht Club in Norway. And so right now, Norway has very strict travel restrictions in place that say not only can nobody from outside come in, but Norwegian citizens are also not allowed to travel outside of the country for pleasure or vacation. They can get special passes and travel for business, but that's it. Otherwise, you know, Norway is pretty much locked down. So this company, which has three, you know, sort of large yachts, the Sea Dream 1, Sea Dream 2, and Sea Dream 3, they're basically tapping into that pent-up desire to travel by creating cruises that will allow the people of Norway to explore explore their own country. Think of it sort of as those trips when you'd pile into the car with grandma and grandpa and drive from Pennsylvania to Florida, stopping <laughs> to see, like, you know, the world's biggest ball of yarn. And, of course, my personal favorite roadside attraction of all time, south of the border. Yes, it's amazing. South of it. the border. And it's still open. I checked yeah. today before I made the reference. It's still there. But it's that same kind of thing where they're like basically helping the people of their country to both travel and maybe learn a little bit more about their own country since that's the only place they can go right now. And they haven't announced exactly when they're going to start sailing, but it's called a summer program and it's listed right now from June through September, although they haven't given specifics as to when in June it will start. And if someone's listening, thinking, okay, this is not the US, why do we care? Because if another country is cruising right now, that means we're one step closer. Well, exactly. It also is a great opportunity for our cruise lines to look at what happens overseas and learn from it. You know, like what mistakes do they make? What things do they do really well? How do people react to the protocols they put in place? It's, you know, it's all steps toward getting us back on ships and and. You know, I'll live vicariously through these people. I have I have friends in Norway, and I plan on calling them and saying, get on a ship, and I want you to send me daily videos from that ship because I want to experience it with you. All right, listener question comes from Beth. Beth says, I normally cruise on Royal Caribbean, but I want to try Norwegian Cruise Line. Is NCL's Pick All Five Perks promotion really worth it, or is it just another sale? You know, those aren't mutually exclusive things. It's actually both. Um, the thing to know is that basically they run the perks promotion year round, but typically you only get two or three unless you're booking in the Haven. If you're booking in the Haven, which is their ship within a ship concept, then you get all five. But normal people who are booking like, you know, an ocean view or a balcony, they're going to get two or three of these. So right off the bat, you're getting more than you normally would. The five perks they're giving right now are open bar, specialty dining. Both of those you pay a 20% gratuity on, so it's not entirely free. Uh, then the rest are free excursions, uh, which means in every port you get a $50 shore excursion credit. Free Wi-Fi, which means you get a certain number of minutes free. And kids sale free. So really how good a sale it is depends on how much you would use those. It's really important to note that even though they're doing the, the, you know, get all five right now, you don't have to take all five. So for example, let's say you and your husband are sailing and neither of you drink, you don't want to have to pay that 20% gratuity on a perk that you're not actually going to use. So they do give you the option of saying, no, no, I don't want all of these. I want, you know, these three or this two, or even just this one. But 
the five together are a really good deal. And, you know, um, when you think about it, like you go on Royal Caribbean and you want to get the drink package, you're paying for it separately. And and the same thing there. You're also going to pay for the drink package and you're going to pay for the gratuity. Uh, same thing. If you want specialty dining, you're going to pay for it separately. So it really comes down to how good a price are you getting on the cruise, which could come down to what time of year are you cruising, you know? So it is a sale and it is a promotional device, but if it's something that you will take advantage of, it's definitely worth the money. So a couple of things there. If you're someone who's like, oh, I'm probably not going to drink that much, keep in mind that because they do offer this drink package as like a perk all the time, the drink prices a la carte are very inflated. I mean, you're going to you know drop $16 for a Tito's and soda. So if you think you're going to have one Tito's and soda every day of your cruise, or maybe even two, I would definitely opt for that, uh, that drink package. I totally agree. Now, the, fifth, the other thing to keep in mind is Norwegian's drink package isn't like some other drink packages. Like, for example, the Carnival Cheers package, it covers so many things that even if you weren't going to drink it probably would be worth it because it covers like milkshakes and energy drinks and things like that. Norwegian's is not that inclusive. In fact, Norwegian actually has a second drink package. So the drink package you're getting is the regular drink package. But if you're someone who drinks high end stuff like, you know, top shelf tequila or whatever, they actually have another drink package called the premium drink package, which you can pay to add on to this one. So it, it's, you know, as with everything, it's worth doing a little bit of research and making sure that you're getting what you want out of this. But for most cruisers, I would say yes, the Five perks is definitely a pretty good thing. Boy, you know your NCL stuff. I'll give you that. Richard, thanks for doing this last minute. I appreciate it, my friend. Always glad to. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Last fall, Jen and her family did a seven-night Mediterranean cruise. It was through the Greek Isles and the Adriatic Sea aboard Norwegian Star. And Jen joins us on the line. How you doing, Jen? Great. Norwegian Star, one of my personal favorite ships. So much to cover here because uh, that itinerary is just amazing. So we'll take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts about this trip. Well, last summer, we actually did um, the Mediterranean out of Barcelona with Royal Caribbean. And so I really enjoyed Italy, and I wanted to see more of Europe, and I wanted to experience Venice. So we decided to try a different cruise line, so that's why we went with Norwegian, and um, and try a, a different part of that, that part of the world. So, yeah, it was awesome. 
Now, you got to Venice, and uh, I know you did a lot in Europe, but let's just focus on Venice here. Did you do any pre-cruise stay in Venice? Sure. We actually uh, arrived in Venice like Friday afternoon, um, and so we spent pretty much the weekend in Venice, and we had gone out to Murano and Burano and um, just saw so much of Venice during that time, and um, and even the the morning before the cruise, we did a three-hour walking tour in one of the sections of Venice. Did you stay in Venice itself, or did you stay on the mainland? Nope, we stayed in the city itself. We stayed, um, it was somewhat closer to the train station, mm-hmm. which, um, so it wasn't too far, because we actually took the bus from the airport to the um, plaza where the where the buses drop off, Yeah, and um, which is actually one of my recommendations for Venice, because it's not... Um, very suitcase friendly. And we only travel with carry-ons. So for us, it wasn't a big deal because we pack light. And so, but for people with a lot of luggage, Venice is not suitcase friendly. So for people that are traveling there, you have to really keep that in mind because you're going to be hauling your luggage over bridges and over cobblestones. And we saw a lot of people struggling. Yeah, Venice isn't the best place to drag luggage around, especially by the train station there at Piazza Roma. So you make your way to Norwegian Star after your pre-cruise stay. How was embarkation? Good. Um, we tend to be late embarkers, like mm-hmm. especially being in a city like Venice. I didn't feel the need to rush to the ship. So at first, sail away was supposed to be 6.30, so all aboard was 4.30. So we probably got to the um, port, and we had walked from... Um, the kind of the train station area to the port. And we got there about maybe 2 o'clock, 2.15-ish. How were the crowds arriving at that time? They were good. I would say it maybe took us 15, if that, minutes to to get on board. I think the longest line we encountered were people just filling out the health forms that you have to fill out to make sure that nobody's been sick in your group within the last couple of days. So. Mm-hmm. We just because people were crowding around there, but I would say, I mean, we filled that out and walked right up, you know, checked in and walked right onto the ship. A couple of weeks before you embarked, the MSC ship came in a little bit too hot and kind of plowed through the seawall there. Uh, so they started regulating the cruise ship traffic in and out of Venice. Was that attributed to your late departure on this one? Yes, that's what our um, the cruise director had um, talked about that the first night and said that. Um, we were supposed to depart Venice at 6.30, um, but the harbor master in Venice um, kind of put a kibosh to people, to ships leaving on the half hour, so everybody had to leave on the hour. So that actually pushed our departure back to after 8 o'clock. Hmm. So we left Venice pretty pretty late. So did that impact your first port of call? It did, yeah. We were supposed to go to um, Couture in Montenegro, which um, we didn't find out until we got on the ship that that had been changed to Bar in Montenegro, which was a huge disappointment. I was really looking forward to Couture, and and the sailing I heard was incredible, and we were going to do the hike. And so um, it, it was a huge disappointment for me. It's crazy how a delay like that can impact the whole itinerary, or at least a part of it. So you make your way on board Norwegian Star. What were your first impressions? It was nice. To be honest, I... I had read some reviews of it and not, of course, reviews aren't always favorable. And so I wasn't, I didn't have huge expectations, but I know it had just been um, gone through refurbishment and I thought it looked great. I, I was worried that it was going to be kind of 
gaudy or kind of, I don't know, but shiny or, or whatnot, but no, it looked great. And you kind of walk into like the, I think like just on the side of the ship and then you go into the atrium and, and it was nice. It was, it was bright and open and, and it, it looked good. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Well, we actually had an inside stateroom um, up on deck 12. And this was actually our first time getting an inside stateroom. We just wanted to um, spend resources on other things than our cabin. And we knew every day was a port day. So I thought, well, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in the room anyways. Um, so we were up on deck 12, which we loved the location because it's on the same floor as the buffet, same floor as the pool, really quick access. If you wanted to get outside, it was uh, maybe 25 steps to get outside if you needed to be outside. And, and we didn't have any issues with it. The Wow. So there was no sea days and it was like back to back port every single day. Exactly. Wow. Yep. All four of you stayed in one cabin? We did. Yeah. We're, we tend to, um, like I said, we tend to pack really light. So mm-hmm. storage wasn't an issue. We each just had a carry on and a backpack. And we're used to cozy quarters. We stand, we stay at a lot of hostels and stuff when we travel. So, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have a problem with it. We, we tend to, we don't mind being close to each other. What, what deck were you on? I'm just curious. Up on 12. Okay, gotcha. So you were up there. Yeah. Um, very yeah, nice. Yeah, we were in one of the sideways um, inside rooms. So I don't know. I hadn't stayed in one of their regular inside rooms before. So I don't know if it felt bigger. But to be honest, I didn't, I didn't feel cramped at all. Like I felt like we had plenty of space. Did the ship get USB ports during the dry dock? Yep. Each bed or each light, I think there, there was USB ports. Okay. Yeah, and we, we didn't have any problems. We, you know, brought a little, um, you know, we had a converter that, mm-hmm. that actually had four extra USB ports on it. So we never struggled to find the plug. Since you were in an ocean view cabin, you got one free perk with NCL. Which one did you pick? Um, we did the um, beverage package for me and my husband. A pretty good package? Um, well, to be honest, I'm not a real big drinker. So mm-hmm. I was kind of worried. I thought, oh, you know, and either I was going to be you know, snockered after the first couple of drinks or it just wasn't going to be worth it. But, um, it was, it was fun to, to try different, to try different drinks and not have to worry about paying for any of that. Um, or, you know, I could get, you could get a a virgin daiquiri as kind of almost have it as like a smoothie, which was kind of a nice treat, especially, you know, when you're come back under the ship. Um, my husband liked it. He liked to try, um, different drinks and, you know, and it's nice you can get two at the same time, mm-hmm. so he could get two of something, or you know, and and being on deck twelve, the I think the top cider bar, the bar right by the pool is right there, so it was it was really convenient, and yeah, it was nice just to be able to try a lot of different things. I certainly, if I had paid for it, I would not have gotten my money back. Yeah, for me personally, but you know, as a you know, they say it's a free perk, even though you do pay gratuity, but um, it was. It was fine. I certainly wouldn't have paid for it, though. When you have the drink package with Norwegian, do they give you a receipt to sign and add extra gratuity, or do they not give you a receipt anymore? I know Royal Caribbean did away with that, and Carnival does, but that is because you have to keep track of the 15 drinks you're allowed with their cheers package. No, you didn't? I never did. Okay. Let's talk about dining. How was your dining experience on board Norwegian? I know they have freestyle cruising, so it's eat when you want, where you want. So we'll start in the buffet here. How was that? It was 
was actually good. Um, you know, it is kind of confusing because they they kind of funnel everybody in one area, but um, once you kind of get the layout, you don't have to funnel in that way. So, and there's, there's two sides to the buffet. People tend to, I think people tended to stay to one side when they could have very easily just gone around and there was, there was way more, you know, I felt like people funneled in funny and um, then they felt like they had to go through the line, even though they weren't like mm-hmm. it was a high school cafeteria. Like right. you don't have to stay in this line. So, um, but I felt like the hours were um, plenty. Like they were always, they always were open. There was always something to eat. Um, we never struggled with finding a table, even in like during the busier breakfast times. As long as you remember, there's a whole other side of the buffet. Mm-hmm. It seemed like people always congregated in one side, but if you went to the other side and there would, there would be lines, forming, you know, there'd be 20 or maybe 10 people in line, but if you went further down in the buffet, there'd be empty, like there wouldn't be any lines. So people just have that line mentality. But if you went around, you were fine. It seems to be like on a lot of cruises though, you know, like people are always just going, it's almost like, at least like on my last cruise on a carnival sailing, the guy's burger joint had two different lines, but everyone queued up in the right hand line, the right side. And no one, not yeah. one person was in the left side. It was wide open. So I just like walked right up to it. Yes. Yeah. We experienced that a ton. And, and even though the, like people would be lined up at the omelet stations and then on the one side of the buffet there, there would be no one. Yeah. Like it was just, and I think maybe signage could help or mm-hmm. maybe it, it's just weird how they have it set up and, and people tend to line up just because yeah. it's a line. Totally. So. Um, as far as like the selections offered up there, what did you think? Yeah, I think, well, every night they always kind of advertise they'd have a different, um, like, theme at the buffet, and I don't think that ever, like, impacted that we were going to eat there or not. Um, But it seemed like they were um, kind of pushing the buffet a lot. They wanted people to to know that there was, like, you know, um, I think one night was, like, Jamaica night or seafood night or or different nights. So they, they like wanted to draw people in mm-hmm. to the buffet in the evenings. But, um, you know, we mostly eat there for, for breakfast and there, of course, there's only so much breakfast you can yeah. variety in breakfast foods. Yeah. I never, I felt like there was always something different and they did have a lot of ethnic foods, a lot of, um, especially in the one side of the buffet, there was a lot of Indian um, dishes mm-hmm. and a lot of, um, maybe Asian inspired dishes too. So there was, if you wanted to try something a little different, there's some, a variety there. And there are two, I guess you will call them main dining rooms or restaurants on this ship. How was the service in there? Well, it was hit or miss, to be honest. Um, The first night we did eat in Aqua and we tend to be kind of late eaters. So we went there at nine o'clock and um, we, we never had to wait to eat, but, um, the service was never very like, Oh my gosh, this is the best service we've ever had. It was, it was really hit or miss. There was, um, a couple of nights we went to Versailles and service was fine there, but in Aqua, they really struggled. And actually in one night, um, was a a really bad issue. It took 58 minutes to get our entree from when we got, when we sat down and I actually went up and talked to the head waiter about it and I said, you know, this is, this is unacceptable. You can't be waiting an hour. And it was nine o'clock at night. I'm like, we can't be waiting an hour to get our entree. So there are some service issues and, um, 
you know, we, he asked us to come back the next night. And so we gave him another shot. And so we tried it again, but, um, yeah, it was really, really hit or miss. Did they redeem themselves the next night? Well, you know, the funny story, cause they, when we came back the next night, they put us in the exact same section with the exact same server. And we're like, Oh boy. So, you know, I was willing to give him another shot. Cause you know, I, when I was in school, I served. So I understand how that goes, but, um, when the head waiter came over and saw us sitting there, he said, oh, no, 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 and moved us to a different table. But, um, and I would, I would say that helped a little bit, but they just, um, they, and you could tell they were really trying because actually the head server didn't, got most of our drinks for us, got our food order for us, like was really trying. So, yeah, we gave them, we did give them another shot. And I understand everybody has a bad night, so we weren't going to hold it against them, but I did, um, I did keep track of my timer because I'm like, I don't want this to happen again. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Did you uh, eat in any specialty restaurants during the selling? We did not. Nope. No. We um, we just ate at um, either the main dining room, the buffet, or Oshihan's. How was Oshihan's? Um, hit or miss as well. We did eat there on um, embarkation day. And it was, um, the service was really slow, but I kind of figured because of the day. And a couple other times we went there and it would... Yeah, it was hit or miss. So you definitely have to have patience. And um, they do get really busy around lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Everybody else has the same idea. So we tried to go at kind of off times. And I don't know if they were staffed appropriately then for off time. But um, yeah, it was hit or miss. So let's talk about entertainment on this seven-night cruise. I know it was very, very port intensive, but did you get a chance to catch any of these shows? Yeah, we went to, there was a comedian, a magician comedian on a couple of the nights. So we went to, he had two different shows. So we went to both of his shows. And then um, there was an aerialist, some, um, a Russian couple, and we went to their show as well. Um, we did check out, there were some dancers and maybe, um, and that wasn't, no, we, we were like, no, this isn't for us. And then there might've been a production show that um, we were like, no, this isn't for us either. So, um, yeah, but we did do like a lot of their trivias and their like um, not so newlywed game. We watched a lot of those shows and went to those activities. So let's talk about the ship. Uh, I guess we can't really talk about it during sea days because there really wasn't any sea days. But as far as crowds and congestion during the whole cruise, like, uh, you know, the dining and the public spaces by the pool, what have you. Sure. Well, you know, and the the we did go to a port every day, but some days our port stop was only about five hours. So it's almost like we had a port and then almost had a whole sea day too. Because um, like even our our port in um, Bar, we we arrived there at four thirty, so we had that whole day as almost a sea day. Um, you know, and and the Star does only have one pool, which is kind of weird, but and they have seven hot tubs, so. It's uh, it's really um, heavily weighted towards hot tubs. I did see that there was a there's tons of sun loungers everywhere. So if you wanted to lay in the sun, there was ample opportunity to do that. It, it seemed like there was always available chairs. Maybe not directly in the pool area, but um, all around the ship and on decks like twelve and thirteen, and I think even. I think it might even go up to 14 or there, there seemed like there was always a space. If you wanted to lay in the sun, 
there was ample opportunity to lay in the sun for sure. Deck 13 was um, a great deck because it it was all the way around. So you could walk all the way around. And so there was deck chairs all the way around mm-hmm. 13 on like inside the glass, outside the glass, all over. So it was plenty of room for people. Did that ship get a Spice H2O during the dry dock? It did. Yep. Yeah. How was that area at all? Like, did you get to go out there at all? Oh. Well, I walked through there just a couple of times, and it never seemed like it was that crowded. Like, I I never saw um, a lot of people in there. And I know there was a couple of hot tubs in there as well. And hot tubs, maybe it was really hot where everywhere we went. So the hot tubs, I think, were pretty underutilized mm-hmm. just because it was so hot outside. Um, but in, we didn't really hang out in the Spice H2O at all. Like when I think on the last morning, my husband's like, "Oh, I didn't even know this was here. <laughs> it just wasn't. It just wasn't. It wasn't a place we hung out." So let's talk about the ports of call you went to. So what we'll do here is give me the port of call and a highlight from each port. Okay, sure. So um, the first one was bar that I kind of touched on earlier. Um, we were only there from four thirty to nine thirty. Um, that's where we rented a car and just kind of drove from the um, city center. And kind of got to a little bit more scenic part of Montenegro. And they also have um, a really old olive tree there that's like 2,000 years old. So wow. I said, well, we have to see the olive tree. Yeah. So we did um, we did that in Bar. And then in, the next stop was Corfu, which we were there from like 10 to 3.30. Um, that one we walked to the old fortress, which was, and we docked, which was good. So um, we walked to the old fortress. It was maybe about a 20-minute walk, 25-minute walk. Um, and it wasn't a bad walk at all. And then you kind of go through the old town. And and at the fortress, you can pay, and you can go all the way up to the top. And there's this giant cross up there and really good views of the city. So we did that and then um, went to this, came down and went to a bar um, called I'm a Bari, which is really close to the fortress. And as long as you buy something there, you can swim right there. So um, my boys swam for a little bit. They said the water was a little cool. I think they're, they're a little used to um, Florida weather, but um, they got in the water for a little bit and swam. And we just had a drink there and and relaxed for a little bit and walked back to the um, ship before we walked back there. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the next stop was Santorini. And Santorini, to be honest, I was really nervous because it was a tender port and there was four ships in port that day. And I was really worried about the crowds and um, I was really concerned about the tender process. So that morning um, they said they were going to start handing out the tender tickets. Well, and oh, we were um, supposed to be there between two to nine thirty. was all aboard. So um, they were supposed to start handing out the tender tickets at 11. And so I actually kind of got up early and I grabbed my book and I said, well, I'm going to go wait. Cause I had heard how people were lining up hours before to get tender tickets. And I just didn't want to worry. Didn't want to get on tender 16 or something like that. So I got up and there was actually already somebody else waiting. It was in the bliss lounge that they were going to hand out tickets. And so there's already somebody waiting. And um, so I sat and waited with him and, and the crew staff said, Oh, you guys don't have to line up. You don't have to line up. And he needed, cause the, whoever you can get as many tickets as you need, so he needed 20 tickets. So I needed only four, but then um, I just wanted to make sure we were on one of the first tenders because that was my big fear that we would end up 
you know, so far down in the tender process. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the, the, the crew staff said the tenders hold 200 people. You guys don't have to worry. You don't have to worry, but I still worried. So we got, um, we sat there and, and I read and we chatted and then more people came and everybody chatted. And eventually about 1040, they started handing out the tender ticket. So it was a little bit earlier than they even had said. And, um, we got on the first, you know, we got tickets for the first tender and, I'd say by, you know, within, I don't know, five or six minutes, they were already on tender seven or eight. So those first couple of tenders got the tickets went really fast. So when we weren't supposed to be there till two, so it's about 11 o'clock now, give or take. And, you know, I went, we were going to have some lunch and, and whatnot. And then about 11 or sorry, about noon, they announced that we had gotten early to Santorini and that they were going to start the tender process and, Ten, and anybody holding tickets one and two to come down to the tender deck. And we're like, what? This is so early. We weren't expecting this. So we quick grabbed our stuff for Santorini and um, headed down to the tender deck. And so we were on the first tender, but um, somebody else said they were offering up tenders for whoever had tickets for whichever tender because maybe because they were there so early and people were caught off guard. I don't know that whole process. I'm glad you know, we were secured on the first tender. I don't, I don't know if it's worth waiting for other people or, you know, what the best course of action is there. But, um, when we got to Sierra, we took the high speed, um, boat up to Ia. Our goal was we wanted to hit a couple of the highlights in Ia, and then we were walking the six miles to Sierra. So we wanted to, and I wanted to get a good jump on that because that was going to be about a three hour hike. Mm-hmm. So we did that, um, and it's a beautiful walk right along the cauldra and amazing views, And but it is hot, and there's no shade. So, um, And there's not a lot of water stops, for sure. There's no snack bars along the way, So, um, but it was amazing. And we got down to um, Sierra. We had some dinner down there. Um, I found it kind of got away from the crowds because um, Sierra was almost like, the main part was like Times Square. There was just so many people there. And now it was almost sunset time. So it was getting really crowded. So we found a, like a little back road and where we, we were able to watch the sunset. So we watched the sunset and um, then we walked down the donkey pass, which I don't know if it, for people that have been there know that the there's donkeys that can take cruise ship passengers up this long, I forget how many stairs there are, but you can either walk the stairs or you can take a donkey up these stairs. Um, so when you go down the stairs, this, the stairs have been occupied by donkeys all day. So it's a little rough. It's very much reminding of a, um, a county fair in the cow barn for <laughs> lack of better description. So it, and thankfully it wasn't dark yet, but yeah. um yeah, you would need a flashlight for sure. Cause there was a lot of donkey stuff on this on the steps for sure but there are also cable cars that will take people up mm-hmm. but the cable cars only hold i think like eight people or something and there's six little cable cars that go up so we're like we can just walk down so we got down to the bottom about nine fifteen and got on the tender and and got back to the ship the next step was mykonos and that was um we were there from about eight in the morning to 2 30 and that was also a tender although um i wasn't concerned about getting tender tickets for that one um, just because we didn't really have anything planned there. We were just kind of going to walk around the city and um, just check in the sites. 
And um, so I think we were, we waited until there was open tendering, which might've been maybe nine o'clock. So it went really quick there as well. And it was a really short little tender to the, um, to the dock. So we got off and we walked down to the five windmills and took some pictures and just kind of wandered around. And um, there's a, a brewing company called Mykonos Brewing Company that was maybe like a 15 minute walk from the little town area there. So we walked there and they had a great deal. They have, um, you can try, I think it's six different beers for 10 euros and they brew them all right there. And they actually go over to the tanks and take the beer out of the tank for you. And so that was something totally um, different and fun. And it was nice to um, support the local guy for sure. So then we just um, walked back and had lunch on the ship. Um, Then, the next day was um, Argostoli in Kefalonia, and that was, we also docked, and that was from 9 to 2.30. Um, there, we also rented a car um, from an actual rental car facility. Um, <laughs> they were actually waiting at the port for us, which was great. Um, and we wanted to go over to the uh, Melasani Cave, I believe, um, which is about a 45-minute drive. So we drove over there, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful cave. Um and then you get in a boat with like, I think there's like 15 other people and, and it maybe takes 10 minutes and the, um, the guy rowing the boat sings and tells you about the history of the cave and whatnot. Um, I was hoping we could get there before all the cruise ship buses, but we didn't quite make it in time. So there are tons of buses that go there. So it got a little crazy trying to get out of there. But once we got out of there, um, we drove up to, a a little city called Assos, which is um, has this hike that you can go up to these Venetian castle ruins and look down. And it was amazing and beautiful. And uh, that was great. Although it was really hot and we did get a little lost during the hike. We got a little turned around. So I was a little stressed out about um, the time. And because we did have to be back at the ship at two 30, um, just to always keep that in, in mind. And um, so we got a little turned around. So, there was a, a little bit of panic, but we, we righted ourselves. And then we ended up, when we got back to the rental car, our GPS said we were going to get back to the ship, back to the dock at 145. And then um, all was good. And we were driving back. And then we got, so we got pretty close and the road was closed to Argostoli. So we had to turn around and backtrack. So we ended up making it after getting gas for the rental car and dropping it off. We were in line to get on the ship at like 2.22. So it was close, a little closer than I like, but um, there was still a line to get in. So we certainly weren't the the people running to catch the ship. There was, there was still a line to get in. <laughs> um, and then our last stop was um, Dubrovnik in Croatia. And that was um, a really short stop. We got there at 7.30 in the morning, and then all aboard was 12.30. So we only had five hours, um, but we got there. Also, we got there a little bit early. So we probably got off the ship at like 7.15-ish. And um, right, at the, uh, right at the port, there's all of these cabs lined up. And it's nice. The prices are already set. So if you want to do a panoramic city tour, it's 50 euros. Or if you want to ride down to the um, city walls, it's 13 euros. So we actually got out, there's an um, ATM right there. So we got out local currency because they'll take their local currency or euros. 
Um, Croatia is kind of weird because they're part of the European Union, but they haven't like taken the whole leap to the euro yet. Mm-hmm. So they'll use um, both currency. So um, we did get some of their currency, I believe it's called the Kuna, and um, we got a cab. And it was great because the cab had Wi-Fi. So my 17-year-old was in heaven. So the cab driver took us around for an hour. Um, you know, we get out at different spots and see the city and he'd take our picture and we went up. Um, it's called Mount Surge. We didn't go all the way up there, but it shows a great view of the walls. And, and it was great because we got there before, like we, we got a good jump on it before the rest of the tourists and, and whatnot. So he dropped us off down at, um, the Pile Gate, which is outside the walls at about 8.30, which the walls open at 8. I don't know how strict they are on that, but you have to have a ticket to walk the walls. And I had purchased that online just because we were there for such a short time. I'm like, I don't want to waste any time in line. So it was great. We had our tickets. Um, You actually get a voucher and you trade it in for a ticket, but that was a really quick process. And so we walked the walls. It's usually about a two-hour walk all the way around kind of depending on how many other people are doing it because you can only go in one direction yeah so we did that and that was also a lot hotter than i expected because there is no shade and you the sun is just beating on you so we did that um took us like maybe an hour and a half um to to walk the walls and um then we just kind of checked out like the little old town area and then we walked back to the ship it was less than three miles back to the ship. So we're like, let's just walk it. So we started, I think we left the city wall area about 11. So we had plenty of time and um, there's a grocery store right there by the port. So we like to go in and try like local beers. So we got a couple of local drinks and just drank those as we were walking back to the ship. But, that's a, um, that's the, a downhill the, walk, the right? Say again? That was a downhill walk going back to the ship. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I cut you um, off. What were you going to say? No, I didn't. Um, well, some some people I talked to, the cruise ship offers shuttle buses mm-hmm. to um, the city walls. And I think it was like $15 round trip. But they said it was tough because there were three ships in port and they all port at the same time. So they said traffic was really bad trying to get to the walls and that some people were getting off the shuttle buses and taking a taxi mm. to, yeah. Cause, and our cab driver had said they're going to go to only two ships there because he said, it's, it's not fair to the tourists. It's not fair to the, to the taxis. Like it's just too many people all at one time. And he's like, you spend so much time in traffic. Yeah. So um, yeah. And the, the cab prices are set. So they can't, um, you know, you're not going to get a, a bad deal. If you do want to take a cab to the city walls, it's, 13 euros it's yeah and and the panoramic tour is 50 50 euros for the whole car so hmm. yeah so it's you you um aren't getting scammed or anything like that he said some tourists won't take it because they think they're being scammed but he's like the prices are set there's you know there's no there's no negotiating so you don't have to worry about that you make your way back to venice how was debarkation um it was good we did self-assist so um, back to where we have just carry on. So it's not an issue for us with our luggage. I think we left our luggage in our room, went and ate breakfast, went back, um, picked it up. And I think um, we ended up maybe leaving the ship about nine o'clock. And we just walked back to the train station because we had a train that we were taking to Milan at 1050. So it was perfect time. We didn't, um, 
uh, there's that people mover, but it's still, it drops off pretty far from the um, dock. So you still have a good, you know, a fair distance to walk or push your suitcase if you have a big suitcase. So we found, and you know, everything times four, it all adds up. So I thought, well, the people mover is, you know, 12 euros total. And so I said, oh, you know what, we can just walk it. And actually walking was probably the same same time it would have taken to do the people mover for us. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Um, I would say definitely the ports. Um, I would have loved to have more time in the ports, of course, but just the variety that we saw and um, just the, the different parts of Greece that we got to experience and seeing Croatia and seeing some of Montenegro. And it was just, we not big fans of sea days anyways, so um, really enjoyed that itinerary for sure. Any first-time tips? Um, I would guess um, definitely research the ports because you're, well, you know, for this itinerary, because you're not there long enough, you can't land, you know, you can't get off the ship and say, oh, what should we go do? Like, you need to be able to hit the ground running. And um, the layout is a little goofy for this ship. Like, um, if you want to get to the fitness center, you have to go through the garden cafe, which is kind of weird. And you can only go through on, on the left-hand side. The right-hand side doesn't go all the way through. So like little quirky things like that, that were um, like, oh, that's weird. And like, but, and it just makes life a little, a little easier if you learn the layout of the ship a little bit sooner. I forgot to ask you this earlier. How was the smoke situation in and around the casino? You know, I didn't experience, like, we don't go to the casino at all, but it was down on deck six. I didn't even know where it was for the first probably four or five days. Okay. It never, like, I never smelt it. I never had to go near it. It just, and you didn't have to, you didn't have to. Like, it was, and especially for us being up on a higher deck, we never, it was never a cut through for us. So it was, it was great. It was non-existent. There was um, one of the bars, the Sky High Bar, the smoking was allowed in there. And that was up on the 13th floor, I think, 13 or 14th. So um, there's a lot of people smoking up there, but it, I don't think it, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was manageable for sure. In closing, final thoughts of Norwegian Star. It was good. It was, I, you know, like I said, I didn't have huge expectations because I was, you know, um, we had sailed a lot on Disney. So we were like, okay, I don't know how this is going to go, but we, we liked it. Um, The customer service could, could be improved in some areas for sure. But, um, you know, it, it was still a great ship. Um, we had some we had some really good food, so that was good. Um, but we didn't. Our, our room steward was great. We didn't have any issues there, and um, yeah, and the ship always seemed very clean. So there wasn't a lot of garbage. There wasn't a lot of like empty glasses or that kind of stuff. So they work hard to to keep it clean and um, keep it nice. And yeah, it was it was a nice trip for sure. Jim, thanks for sharing this review. I really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba, 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 da, ba, da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.